Hey friends, this is Dominique. I just wanted to hop on before this episode started because I wanted to apologize for publishing this a week late. I um, briefly talk about it in the video, excuse me, in the podcast, but I did lose an animal last week and it was a difficult situation and I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what happened and sending the body out for necropsy and worrying about the rest of my collection. I just didn't really have the time or mental energy to get this one edited and put out. So I want to give a huge thank you to Valerie for being so understanding and kind when I needed a little bit of time. Um, and thank all of you for understanding and still supporting me. So enjoy this week's episode. It's a lot of Valerie explaining her collection, going through her animals. So if you're interested in learning more about what she keeps, make sure to take a look at her Instagram at logflipper. All right, enjoy. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Modern Medusa podcast. My name is Dominique DeFalco of DeFalco Reptiles, and I'm your host. This is the fifth episode. Um, I'm super excited for our guest today, even though I say that every week. But today we have an awesome guest who's not only a phenomenal herpetoculturist, but she is also an amazing makeup artist and just an all-around really badass lady. So I would like to introduce you to Valerie Emerson. Hi, Valerie. How are you? Hey, not too bad. Hanging in there. Good. Well, thank you so much. Surviving for- the weather. Oh, yeah. Where are you living again? I live in Indiana, so okay. I didn't have the terrible stuff that Texas. I mean, people lost entire collections, it sounds like. I really know. heartbreaking stuff. But, you know, it gets it gets frigid here, but that's mm-hmm. typical. See it yeah. all the time. Last year, this is a mild winter, and we had negative 10 degrees, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm in, year- yeah, I'm in Ohio, and I, I'm semi-close to you, and it is, it's not the worst winter we have, but definitely wasn't a good one. Mm-hmm. Okay, very neat. Mm-hmm. We're about in Ohio. I'm uh, right on the Cincinnati area. My brother used to, he used to work in uh, Cincinnati. He used to live in Kentucky, and he worked for GE. Oh um, yeah. In Cincinnati. That's like the only place in Ohio I'm familiar with, but mm-hmm. it's a good city. I'm, I'm, a, sure. I always say it was a really great place to grow up, but I'm like kind of ready to get out, but you know, we'll figure that out later. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So I would love to get started. Um, so I met you, well, quote unquote met because we haven't had the pleasure of meeting in person due to COVID. Cause I bet I would have met you yeah. at a Tinley or something, but, um, oh, yeah. I, I found you on Instagram, I think about a year ago, because I was really interested in your name, which is log flipper, because you do enjoy going out and herping yeah. and you have a lot of really awesome animals. So could you give us a little bit of an introduction to who you are, um, and kind of how you got into herps? A Valerie. I look a lot younger than I am. I just turned 28. <laughs> happy a couple birthday. Of days ago. And then I yeah, just, I think it was like two you. days ago. So happy birthday. Thank you. Um, I'm a registered nurse. That's pretty cool. Um, and I guess I got into to herpetology and herping because I, I don't know. I've always been, I've always adored animals my entire life. Um, I've always been, as a child, I've always liked insects and animal world. I thought I was going to be a zoologist. Don't really know what happened. Don't we all? Right. Yeah. I was particularly fond of big cats. Um, 
you know, I just think of the show Tiger King and I'm like, you know, as somebody that that was my dream, I wanted to own tigers and bobcats and shit. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, kind of like stuck to snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> as I, as I aged, um, you know, my parents, they, they were not, my dad's terrified of snakes. My mom, she's, eh, doesn't care for me either, but if I could catch an animal, I would, I would try to keep it. Like I would, try, I would always as a child before I knew anything about how the world would work. So I was always catching garter snakes, you know, always obsessed with animals. You know, I, I did some research when the internet became a thing, you know, early 2000s, we started to get easier to use computers. Um, and I found out, oh, snakes are pretty easy to keep. Like people keep them as pets quite frequently. Mm-hmm. So I got into the, I didn't actually start, I didn't actually get my first snake until about seven years ago. Um, and what was it? Ball python. Okay. <laughs> was what was a- your starter reptile pack? I chose, I chose the uh, ball python, which I guess would be equivalent to maybe Bulbasaur in your <laughs> if you're a Pokemon fan, you know? Yeah. But you know, there's something it's, it's there for a reason. It's a foundation of the hobby. Definitely. Definitely. And it taught me a lot of things. Um, I fostered domesticated cats for a while. Um, and had people dropping them off to my doorstep and stuff. And so I kind of also was this person of like, I also like the unloved things. Mm-hmm. And the more I got into the hobby and the older I got and the weirder I got, because I grew up a weird, I mean, like, <laughs> on my face. I've been a weird person pretty much my entire life. Um, you know, I found kind of there's a lot of importance in loving and teaching the world about the things that we are taught to not love, like mm-hmm. spiders and snakes that were taught were dangerous. And um, as I continued down the biology trail and those kind of sciences, I kind of discovered how even smaller microorganisms like isopods, um, spiders, they play a huge role in our ecosystem and our ecosystem kind of depends on it and human health even. Sorry, there's an uh, ambulance passing my apartment, so I have to mute for a second. I live across the street from a hospital, oh. which makes it very unfortunate. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, yeah. I live a I live in an area of Cincinnati that's also known as Pill Hill because there's seven oh. hospitals within walking distance of my apartment. Wow, my yeah. brother he lived on a street we used to call Death Road because <laughs> it was so curvy and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's weird. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's awesome. My little sister's in nursing school, so she uh, appreciates it a lot. Very cool. Oh, very cool. Good for her. I tell her to stick with it. Yeah, she's, she's gonna have a very admirable of, of what you guys are doing, especially given the current climate with COVID and everything else occurring. So for those who don't know, Valerie is a registered nurse and she works, uh, you say you work on a psychiatric floor, is that correct? Um, I used to. That was my last job. Okay. I love that job that job mm-hmm. was great um management kind of went south and so I I picked up a just a medical job because 
psychiatric and you know psychiatric medicine and the psychiatric hospital is way different than medical so think of it like you have to be physically healthy in order to be in a psych floor um (laughs) so I picked up a job at a med search floor um I started in like a progressive care and I was like you know I don't know nothing about about ng tubes and vents and this complicated stuff can I start on a med search floor and they boosted me there and then like two months later COVID hit and then that's all I know now (laughs) I guess I'm a COVID floor nurse yeah I've only worked pretty much pandemic front lines since since I've been out of nursing school as far as medical is concerned but I do like the self psych realm um coming into this into a pandemic is pretty trippy to say the least Mm mm-hmm so going back a little bit, you started with your first ball python, you said about seven or eight years ago. Do you still have that animal? Yeah. Do you want to see him? Yeah. This is actually one of my favorite racks. It's a Serpa design rack. We actually got it for a great deal on Facebook marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, we call it education station and that's Marley. Oh, so cute. So she's <laughs> an absolute. Is she a normal? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Just a normal ball python. So, um, is that your only ball python right now? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, and, and if I'm being quite honest, he will. He'll probably stay that way. Mm-hmm. Um, they're great snakes. They're they're great pets. He's my first, so that's why I have him. But mm-hmm. he's also he's also the only ball python I've ever actually had. I've taken in plenty of rescues, but so I noticed. Um, for those who aren't watching the video, um, Valerie has, it looks like almost her entire living room is full of snakes, which is the dream. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's okay. And in our apartment, our last apartment, which, you know, our apartment was smaller. We had all these snakes and we moved to this house. I'm like, is that going to be enough space? My boyfriend had it measured down to the square inch, mm-hmm. I swear. And it's pretty much every single place on my wall. I love it. I think it's great. And with, um, and with all of them, it looks like you use a majority of, um, vivariums or terrariums where you can see the animals. Um, what is your preference? Do you like that better than racks? Is that something you've always kept? Like, I, I actually have a mix of both. So this one, these, uh, enclosures are, they detach there. Mm-hmm. Um, these, this one Christian made, that's our Aki enclosure. My boyfriend also, he also, he did that. I won't take credit for it. Mm-hmm. Too complicated for me, but this one is just a PVC. I think most of our PVC cages we've got, we got off of um, Facebook Marketplace or Expos. That's the best. I, I have a, a Facebook alert for um, snake enclosure or PVC reptile or something. Hey, so every learning. time... Yeah, so every time it's posted in marketplace within a certain radius, I get a notification because I'm always looking for new cages. <laughs> yeah, same. Who isn't in the hobby too? Those are something that people make hella bank off of and for good reason, I guess, because mm-hmm. everybody needs them and wants them. I have also, let's see, this rack. That one came from, I, I really should know, some people off of marketplace and uh came from some people of some herpetological society i kind of hate the latches on this 
Well, other than that, it's pretty good enclosure. These ones, they definitely also came from Marketplace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, just PVC. But I also use, I do use racks. Um, all the baby breeding and like shadier, more exotic stuff is down in the basement. Mm-hmm. I use a mix. So I like to keep, I like to keep babies in small racks to be honest is that for all species i think it would it depends but i keep mostly small species like so our amazon tree boas i don't even know about the size of a shoebox, maybe a little bit bigger i guess Mm -hmm. but we keep i like to keep them sterile because you know they're babies they do a lot of dumber things Mm -hmm. and um get die easier i guess is just the best way to put it yeah Um, yeah, they're just more vulnerable. So I like to keep them on paper towel, keep it sterile, keep so I keep it clean. Mm-hmm. Um, some things, I have mostly a lot of arboreal racks on there too, because I have more of the arboreal snakes. Um, some things I'll keep sterile if I think it's, if definitely if it's wild caught. Mm-hmm. Well, usually I think I have only one wild caught thing down there that's on Cypress. I don't have a lot of wild caught things anymore. But yeah, I, I like uh, I like to mix it up. I I think bioactive is great and it's it's awesome. But I think that there's a time and a place for that, and also a time and a place for being more sterile mm-hmm. or being more paper towel, easy cleanup. Um, you know, there's a lot of war about that on the internet. And mm-hmm. what isn't I, there war about on the internet? It's true. Well, within the hobbyists, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at, for green tree pythons and for uh, emerald tree boas, I like sphagnum moss. All the other, you know, emerald and carmichael keepers will tell you paper towel is superior. And, you know, they're, they might be right when it comes to that, but that's Chico. That is our... Um, well, it's actually my second emerald, but it's my first, like, captive bred emerald. Mm-hmm. That animal's actually five years old, believe it or not. I think it's so funny how arboreal species, they seem so large in photos, but in person, like, they're so small. Like, my green trees, I always think to myself, oh, my God, they must be so tiny, so underweight. And then I see someone else who has them in person, and I'm like, oh, no, that's just normal. That's what they look like. Yeah, um, I think also people don't estimate it right because when they're cold up on that branch, you know, when they're cold up on a little branch like that, like you can't see the whole animal. You know what I mean? Right, right. They like, really do a good job of making themselves small. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's survival. I mean, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you started with your one ball python, and mm-hmm. I know now that you keep a variety of species. So what was the progression like with you going from one ball python to now two whole rooms of your house dedicated to animals and only one ball python still? I'll be honest with you. I definitely made the same mistakes that everybody else did. That's there's no use in denying it. You all have made impulse buys. We've all bought something that we said, I want that. I can make it thrive and you were, you know, some people it's now monitor lizard, but Mm -hmm. so it kind of happened a little bit like that, but, but more or less, 
within the past like two or three years my collection's really built so it has been over like a three three year period Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's definitely different because my days off now are very dedicated to doing you know that's why you know I I I, uh don't really think of myself really as a business because for one I've not sold anything yet Mm -hmm. and for two I don't think I'd have to hire help if I was going to get any bigger than this. Oh yeah. I think people, you know, underestimate that. I know that we spoke about how, yes, keeping snakes is easier than keeping other species, but that doesn't mean it's not work. Right. Right. There's a lot that goes into it. Right. What makes them easy a lot of the time is that, you know, they tolerate our presence. They don't need to be socialized and handled Mm -hmm. and loved and trained. And, you know, these are things about a, cat and a dog people tend to and even birds people tend to really just overlook birds especially birds especially um so I think that a lot of people get caught up in oh you don't have to do those things so it's easy but really you kind of got to take time to pay attention to to how the animal's acting um you know changing waters cleaning poop out of enclosures, place mm-hmm. some paper towel or substrates. Yeah. It seems like they can never, I don't know if you have this problem with your collection, but it seems like they're never good at syncing up when they poop or when they put substrate in their water bowl. It just seems like every day there's a new yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's, I it wish seems they could just get me. on a schedule. <laughs> right. I wish you would know, you know, when it's, mm-hmm. when it's going to go about. Um, so progression also, I guess, um, this rack, this one with Marley, we call this one education station. So that's, it's all the, I don't want to say easy, but like hardier animals Mm -hmm. that we've taken with us to school. This was pre COVID of course, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but we've taken them into schools with us. So in here, we've got a legless lizard who actually today has made me contemplate whether I should move him out of there or not. (laughs) He's constantly doing that. Um, I think I need to feed him less pinkies and more dog food. He Mm -hmm. likes both, but, um, you know, just, there's a, it's a great like teaching tool. It teaches people, you know, what's the difference between a lizard and a snake. Mm -hmm. Um, got a blue tongue skink in here because they're easy to handle. And then, African bullfrog is in here. I don't see him though. Yeah, you know. So that one kind of came first, I guess. Although I don't think I got those animals first. I have no idea which order everybody came in. I mean, I can tell you who's like the newer additions, but Christian named them all like a uh, infant, which I think is really cute. <laughs> <laughs> so Christian is your boyfriend, um, correct? Yep. So was he in the hobby or did you bring him into the hobby? I actually did bring him into the hobby. He's been, he's been interested in, in snakes and in animals and stuff, just the way I have mm-hmm. since before that. He's been a real outdoorsy guy, always been, you know, outdoorsman, uh, likes tactical things. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we met, I had like four snakes or something. And then we got together, we got an apartment. He also wanted a snake. I wanted another snake. Of course. And then, you know, I had dreams of breeding certain snakes. So mm-hmm. 
more snakes. I think that's kind of how it happened. Um, that, and I think we've kind of, it's kind of made our love a little bit, you know, stronger. I do think like it's created a strong connection between the two of us, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, there's something to be said about being able to share something you love with your partner and, mm-hmm. and to both be as equally enthused by it is really exciting. Especially mm-hmm. cause we don't share a lot of other things in common. Um, he's very future oriented, you know? goals and aspirations and save your money kind of guy and I've not been good at that I like, <laughs> I like fun stupid things I like to spend all my money I'm very like present oriented I'm very we could all die tomorrow so <laughs> YOLO I guess kind of a person so mm-hmm. we you know we help balance each other out but he also likes a lot of like boy shit like guns and cars he's not that into sport he's not into sports at all actually thank goodness but <laughs> thank like goodness <laughs> yeah I was I was oh, gonna ask I want to talk about that a little bit so um for those who don't know Valerie she like I mentioned she's an amazing makeup artist I'll be sure to post a picture of today's look on the modern Medusa Instagram um but one of the things that strikes me as very interesting about you is um you know, we talk a lot about how this is a male dominated hobby. And I think a lot of the women in the hobby have a tendency to shy away from more feminine things, just in general, not necessarily Mm -hmm. in a way that they can't be feminine and also have reptiles, but it just seems to be like a preference kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're completely the opposite. Like you're very feminine and that exudes into your animals a lot with how, you know, you, you decorate yourself and your makeup and your clothes and also how you, you take Aww. pictures with your animals and, and I love it. And so, um, I would, I would love to talk to you a little bit about how that experience has been, um, and how you find that people treat you when they find out you have reptiles. Is this something that they're like, like freaked out about, like excited for, how does that kind of work for you? You know, other people in the hobby, they've always dug it but I guess you know when you're going to expos and things like that they already assume that you're in the hobby but mm-hmm. um it definitely freaks out my pe- people that I work with yeah <laughs> or snakes. and I've been told before by other uh, other other hobbyists that that is a, a small collection and when you think about it it, it kind of is pretty medium-sized it's still a lot of snakes but how yeah. many do you have do you say you have 40 I think it's over 40 now because we have babies mm-hmm. downstairs, the baby Amazons, but I think it's right. closer to 50 if I'm honest, but, and it definitely, it definitely freaks some of them out. Some of them are just like, I have no idea why, but you know, they, they treat me about the same. Of course, that's at work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people there, you kind of have to put your judgments aside when you work in that kind of field, but, um, right. you know, out in public, I've never been shit on for having snake you know Mm -hmm. what I mean um so just to give people like an idea um Valerie is currently wearing snakeskin pants a sweater that looks like she's got a boa constrictor wrapped around her shoulders I painted that you painted that it's lovely I painted it for this show too actually oh my god that's (laughs) so cute (laughs) and then she's also got snake earrings and then she's painted two snakes and her makeup and it's just it's beautiful. Um, so have you always been 
a very artistic person is that something that you like grew up with no actually believe it or not I'm kind of glad you asked that question I have been a woman of science science hard science only the science like all my life Mm -hmm. I have been a you know, skeptical of everything and facts and numbers <laughs> are the best and, um, and logic over, over emotion. It's always the best. Um, even though I'm had no control over my own emotions at that time, uh, as an adult and as I've aged, as I've entered the, you know, the workforce as a nurse, um, and to be honest with you, I also, you know, I got to, you know, I got my own house. So I said one of my milestones when I got my own house, I wanted to, I wanted to take shrooms and I got woke. And actually I learned that after thereafter that I was very creative person and that, um, I like to draw. I like to, I like to paint. Um, I've always been big into makeup and I, I could tell the progression that my makeup's gotten a lot better from when I really started. If you look, way back scroll way back on my Instagram you'll see some photos that you'll be like wow (laughs) (laughs) I don't know definitely as I've as I've as I've aged uh my aesthetic I think has grown I guess I've always Mm -hmm. had a aesthetic for quirky and weird things um but now you know I sit and I think about colors all day I've Mm -hmm. not done that child but I do as an adult um, and I think that I'm not a spiritual person. I'm more of like an agnostic atheist, maybe like, I do think that there's something that connects all of us living and all of us on this planet. And I do get sentimental about things. And I do think about, you know, the, the big questions in life and art is kind of a, a coping skill. And also, I think a way to just cherish it and share with the world what you cherish. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You know, I wish I was more artistic. I guess I could try a little bit harder, but I think it's incredible how you use the animals you see every day and and what you're working with every day to draw as inspiration for your art. And, um, I know I'm not the only one who loves to see it on Facebook every day. So thank you for sharing that with us. I'm, you know, I get, I'm shocked every day by how how well it's received and it kind of pushes me to grow a little bit more too. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and people are like asking me to do things. I'm like, oh, maybe I could even like make like side money or something off of this kind of a hobby. And I and I also get to do my favorite thing, which is just cosplay as Miss Frizzle all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's all all of our dream, isn't it? It kind of is. Yeah. To, you know, wear crazy, wear the drip every day. Mm -hmm. Crazy crazy colors and crazy fun things and teach people about the world they live in or the you know things I love which is so with you know teaching people about the world you live in going back a little bit you said you have your education station with Mm -hmm. all of the animals that you go to schools and teach about is that something like a formal thing you and your boyfriend do together are you an organization that goes and does education programs or is it more like a hobby it's more of a hobby if I'm honest we've only we only did it three or four times Mm -hmm. um and that was back when we were living in the apartment 
we bought this house at the beginning of 2020 in January. So then COVID happened right after. Right, right after we given it its name and everything, actually. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and put them here and moved in. It was kind of sad. But so I didn't have like a, a business like name or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something, man, if, if when we get past this pandemic, like in a year or so, maybe I, I would love to do it again. I think mm-hmm. it would be. It would be just a dream come true. I still have a space up at the top to fill, but I think I think our king snake downstairs will probably go in there. Mm-hmm. Or carpet python. You can't go wrong with carpets. True. Mm-hmm. True. My only problem with carpets is, I guess, sometimes they, as juveniles, they can be a little bitey. We've got an Arian Jaya in here. So that rack we call um, Outback Snake House. Christian named it his dad jokes I just shrivel my ovaries this is all the Australian species so walk me through your collection a little bit like just tell me I know that when we spoke originally you're very passionate about um Asian colubrids seems to be something that really grabs your interest but before we get more specifically into that can you talk a little bit about what your collection entails right now so in here I've got a walnut python also comes from Australia eventually we wanted you know this whole thing to be um an education thing because you know we've got it separated and you also put our green tree up here Mm -hmm. it's a sarong so I don't think it belongs there but you know I (laughs) give it to close enough there's some that come from from Australia great fine She's pretty cool. I, when I started into this hobby and I had researched what was the first animal I wanted, it was the Wilma. Mm-hmm. But Wilmas were so expensive. And I got Marley for 25 bucks. So I what was it about Wilmas that you loved? Uh, they just, you know, honestly, now that I have one, they act more like Colubrids, which is just kind of cool. Like they always eat. They're kind of up here greeting you. Um, they they just they're just kind of wild, and I, I like that about them. I didn't know them at, about. I just had heard that they were kind of inquisitive, and I just thought they looked so cute with their eyebrows at the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you provide enrichment for a lot of your animals? I try to. Yeah. For snakes, I definitely always try to give something to climb on and something to hide in. Mm-hmm. Um. That's Alex's enclosure. He's in like deep shed. He's mm-hmm. also a huge dick. Mm-hmm. He's mean as fuck. It's kind of why we got him. This is Christian's first snake. What is it? Just a common red tail. Oh, Actually, yeah. it's a red tail. I think it's. I don't know. I don't remember. Christian's the boa guy. If I'm <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad. It's a species that stays a little bit smaller. Central American red tail mm-hmm. boa. Mm-hmm. A lot of my snakes to have noticed are very food motivated. I oh, guess yeah. I haven't got up here yet. So um, this one is all like uh, South American mm-hmm. species. So Central American red tail boa, Northern Emerald tree boa. And then we had a Mata Mata in there. We had that sucker for about a year and he died. Mm, that's such a shame 
Yeah, it was really sad. So that's a big like 75 gallon in the background. It's totally dope. The tannins are just taking over it now because, you know, <laughs> it's been a year and I'm like, whatever. I guess I can sit there. I can throw my nose or something in it. But <laughs> I also got this little uh, sculpture of what Matamata materials like look like. We got that at Tinley. Yeah, you have um, the Mata Mata sculpture on the floor, and then you have the emerald um, sculpture on your uh, oh, yeah. curtain rod, and that scared the shit out of me. I thought you had a loose snake, and I was like, I've been told Valerie. that before. I've well, been told that before. I'm not proud of it, but I've, I've lost a green tree before. I got her back. I found her, but like, you're literally searching everywhere, high and low, mostly high, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> The first green tree python we had is a wild caught one. So we did end up losing it. We didn't, this is kind of before we knew the, the you know, wild yeah. caught roots was captive bred. That's what how it meant. most people start with green trees. It got out and it, um, we found it. And at the time we were at Christian's dad's house and um, his sister's, he's got his nephew that sometimes comes over and plays with stuff. So there's like this dollhouse. He was inside the dollhouse, like, or in this, like, big car house on one of the, like, little rods. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cute. It's panic mode, though, for sure. Oh, yeah. I found mine in my bed frame. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody, it's one of those things that I know. I've had multiple snakes escape. I've had Alex escape before. I've had one garter snake escape that I have never found, but... I lost all my garters anyway, so I mean, <laughs> it's it's interesting because um, the thing I was most afraid of is that I accidentally had a feeder escape, and that was the worst because it chewed right through the box I brought it home in because I had one that only ate live, and I got out of the shower and I went to go to bed and my cat wasn't in my bedroom and she always comes in the bedroom with me at night. And I was like, Isma, where are you? And she's sitting in the corner staring at and this mouse. It. And I was like, oh no. But we found it. Thank goodness. Because <laughs> I couldn't yeah. sleep knowing that was loose. I don't know what it is about a mouse. I just don't want that in my house. We have one in our house that we actually put our eyes on like two days ago. It's kind of funny you said that. And yeah. I know I know that he's been here because I've I swear to God, I've heard him like squeak. Mm-hmm. And I've seen like bits and pieces of like, oh, it, something's running. And Christian spotted him yesterday. And that guy is so fast. I'm like, oh, they're so fast. They're so fast. They're so freaking fast. Yeah. But um, it's a, it's a mouse, at least not a, not a rat. Mm-hmm. Rats can be pretty dangerous. Like I've encountered them. Like, yeah. I've definitely lost my fair share of like feeder rats. We lost an African soft for once. And if you know anything about those, they're basically Satan. Um, <laughs> absolutely mean and will bite the shit out of you. They're cracked to your ball python if they're not eating. Um, so fine. I was like, whatever. It's mm-hmm. We haven't seen this fucker. He's left no traces. He did? Question mark. They come from Africa, right? It's right. gets freezing here, so maybe it did. Literally, like eight months later, Christian spotted this thing. It, it had grown a little bit, which was really kind of freaky. I'm like, all right, 
it's eating things like it's living off of something yeah <laughs> not really what you want to see mm-hmm. yeah, Luckily- and spiders like they're they're riddled in my basement and I'm, I'm okay with that because whatever if he stays in his web he's gonna do his thing mm-hmm. and that's great but you know mice and rats things that eat spiders and things like that I don't know about that yeah (laughs) it's funny because I'll I'll, like I I know people who have pet rats and I love those but I don't want it in my house I don't want it running loose in my house I feel like the pet a pet rat though is so different from an actual rat so different on the Mm -hmm. street or in your house yeah in your house or in the street they they're they want blood they want to hurt you yeah they're trash and they gotta bite but I've heard actually I've heard they're actually pretty intelligent my cousins had some growing up Mm -hmm. they're very intelligent and they're very social so if you have one you have to have like two two or three yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a you know a lot of I think it's interesting because you we should respect the animals that we're feeding to ours and and I do respect rats and I, I respect people who raise them for feeders because I yeah, think thank goodness for those people. Yeah. Cause I couldn't do it. And I'm, I'm very grateful for those who do. Same. I can't Christian wants to. And I said, I will not participate. Yeah. <laughs> they smell terrible. Mm-hmm. They're a lot of work. Mm-hmm. They bite. So you, so you, um, earlier before we started recording, you were telling me about, um, how you have a decent collection of frogs so you do raise feeders for those so can you tell us a little bit more about your fruit fly uh cultures um but basically if you see them all in there Mm -hmm. they eat this media that you mix with water i unfortunately because of covid i'm just kind of just grabbing whatever i think this is actually no i've been using steady jocks frogs which i'm sure is like okay um i put this tinsel type dining in there um it gives them like more surface area to crawl around into and you put that in there you put a couple flies in there and then you just gotta wait until they produce the larva which is like on the side of the camp and they become flies how long does that process normally take um i feel like i should have like a really good rough estimate but no worries don't. if you don't <laughs> I look okay. in there and I'm like is there enough to feed like maybe six frogs mm-hmm. like at most mm-hmm. I know it's a lot but um they are starting to come out and jump around so what frog species do you have this is H. Valeroy. okay so this is the reticulated glass frog oh my goodness they're this so cute semi, they're like semi, the size of my thumbnail I so just you- think they're so cool. I love glass frogs. This, these were one of the species of animals that I read about in a book when I was a child. And I had dreamed of seeing in person one day. And then I mm-hmm. went to Tinley for the first time and saw there were some in a cup in Josh's frogs. And I said, wow, what the this. fuck even do you keep these? Mm-hmm. So I spent the next year learning about it. I got the rainforest junkies to make know me. I learned a lot about frogs and how involved they kind of really are. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to do this. <laughs> and actually, it's worked so far. 
So you've got about how many adults in this enclosure and what is the setup like? I have at least eight adults in there. I'm trying to focus on a tadpole. They're eating. Mm-hmm. It's so cute when they eat. They actually have like little mouths too that they, I feed them algae tabs every so often, but um, okay. like the frogs, I noticed the tadpoles are more active at night. Mm-hmm. So basically I think this is a very, it's a weird dimension exoterra. Um, mm-hmm. I had to really hunt for it, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's a 24 by 18 by 24. That's what I was going to say. That's what it looks like. Yep. I think that's right. <laughs> um, I've got a really okay-ish filter. It's rated for like 75 gallons. And mm-hmm. there's not even like... 10 gallons of water in there mm-hmm. so I'm hoping it's it does the trick I basically just I, I also rely a hella on plants as you can see I kind of like let the plants really take over the vivarium before I decide to start moving plants um I don't like to be all up in these guys' space very often for one they're jumpy and they you know jump out and it's just pathogens everywhere and just that's terrifying in my mind they are pretty fragile though they're very very small and their skin is very i mean it's you can see through it so that's one thing um for being frogs as well you know so i like to do it all at once like i like to get in there change the plants um or trim things back a little bit right now i have pathos really he's winning he's taking over Pothos as always does. It never stops growing. Basically, I, we had to take this top, we removed it, we replaced it with acrylic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a Beamworks LED light, nothing terribly fancy mm-hmm. on the top. We drilled a few holes just big enough so that fruit flies can't escape. Um, that rocks at the bottom is really helpful for the tadpoles. Yeah, I do so- like that. Like, so for those who are just listening, can you explain like what you have um, on the bottom of the enclosure? I've got, I think it's like river rock or something. I think I got it from Lowe's. I think I just kind of rinsed them off a couple of times and was like, yep, there we go. Mm-hmm. And then they have about, what would you say, like two to three inches of water? I would, I would say that there's at least five to 10 gallons in there. Mm-hmm. So um not a ton you can kind of see where this nasty great you know where it's the inevitable calcium buildup mm-hmm. i'm of, very familiar with that from my fish tank days yeah i was just about to say i'm sure you know all about that all about that <laughs> god forbid you go out of town for a week and you get that crusty line along your fish tank yeah i, I in my experience there's no preventing it from building up at, to some degree mm-hmm so do you sell these frogs when they are uh, no longer tadpoles? I have not. <laughs> I need to, to be honest, because I'm not trying to overcrowd conditions in here. And I kind of feel like it's starting to push it, especially right. now I'm looking at all these tadpoles right now. And I'm like, oh, these guys are <laughs> big. Yeah, you've so- got like 10 tadpoles in there just that I can see. Oh, yeah, there's like a a horde of them right there mm-hmm. so um I'm going to I 
I kind of, if I'm being honest, I kind of want the the babies to grow into adults before mm-hmm. I do that because I've never sold and shipped an animal and they're the glass frogs. So I'm real worried about it. I've got a lot of people who are interested and people that I, I consider to be my friends. So mm-hmm. I can be like, yeah, I'll charge you this rate and I can, you know, we'll see how it goes for being my very first time and then maybe go from there. You know what I right, mean? Right. And I don't know anything about shipping. I mean, I do know some things about shipping an animal, but I know more about having it shipped to me. I've, I've never actually shipped one. So well, it's just kind of intimidating a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, for, you know, it's one of those things where the Amazon, like our Amazon babies downstairs are, mm-hmm. I think are going to be easy to get called for. There's only seven of them. And right. I'm probably going to keep like three. So I'm yeah. thinking I can local people. Mm-hmm. probably be the best bet to start but yeah or frogs, even delivering to a show right you know mm-hmm. like to a tinley yep yep all t- t- tables at tinley can be kind of expensive but oh yeah but if you if you're like hey i'm bringing these to tinley i'm sure you could sell them oh yeah yeah well i think the I think at one point we were allowed to do it. We're technically not allowed to do it anymore. Although I did it last time. There was a Tinley. Yeah. Um, you're not supposed to, we're not supposed to trade or sell without a table or something. I don't know. Oops. I think that's kind of dumb. I didn't know that. <laughs> eh. I got bamboo rat snakes that, that last time. So mm-hmm. that was not at a table or it was from a person online. They come in at a variety of stages. Um, one thing I've also noticed too is that my first, very first round of toilets I had had a lot of weird deformities, like extra, like I had one with an extra leg. We'd have some that just be missing legs. And for me personally, I don't know if that's because in Indiana it gets so cold that you turn the, you know, the heat on. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the thermostat, you know, kick it up to like a degree or two more than that. And you can, I can, you can kind of overheat them, I think, a little bit quick. Um, they like it cooler. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if it could have been that or if it could have been just a first round draw the luck thing. You know, usually they say first flexes and the first offspring are kind of the most unhardy, I guess. So. Right. I was wondering if it wouldn't have been part of it, but there's one adult. Yeah, they're not very big at all. I don't know yeah, why don't I thought they were such bigger animals. But I think because everybody gets macro shots of them. Mm-hmm. Moving away from frogs a little bit, because I want to make sure we talk about this. So you mentioned your bamboo rat snakes. So you are very, very passionate about uh, Asian colubrids. Is that correct? Yeah. They're yeah. kind of my so can you talk a little bit about what got you into them and, and why, what it is about weird colubrids and Asians specifically that are so interesting to you? Um, man, it just seems like all the cool shit comes from Asia. <laughs> um, it really does. It seems just kind of seems to be a weirder species um, mm-hmm. and Africa too, I think, you know, more near the equator where snakes Mm-hmm. thrive and maybe you've had more time to evolve or something right um i also the deeper i got into the hobby i guess 
the more I realized like something new, something mm-hmm. cool with its own aesthetic. And I like that. So it's this, I, was, I started with a piece. My first Asian rat snake is probably actually what got me into rat snakes. Mm-hmm. He's up here. He was an impulse. He was kind of an impulse buy, but um, he was my favorite impulse buy, to be honest. So Mr. Mamba, he's my favorite. Um, probably my favorite snake ever, just because he's, I feel like he's kind of my soulmate. He never chills the fuck out. He's always yelling about something. So for those who aren't watching, what is this animal? This is a platinum Chinese beauty rat snake. Okay. And how old is he? Uh, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy I got him from, maybe just a little bit questionable. Um, <laughs> he definitely has put on a lot of weight for me. Um, uh, by the way, that's a thing that rat snakes do, Asian rat snakes especially. They just contort themselves yeah doesn't that look uncomfortable mm-hmm. i thought he was dead i'm not gonna lie i was like holy shit he's dead <laughs> so i saw him doing that right mm-hmm. i was like fuck is wrong with that snake and he tells me that's just the way it lays mm-hmm. and he got him out and he was super mean and i thought it was so cute he had the biggest eyes he wagged his tail like that um you're not gonna come out of here though, buddy, because you're gonna be gone if you do. Um, and I was like, that snake has a lot of attitude, and I love that. Right. Um, so he was my first I started with. Um, I actually am now just finding out that platinums the rat snake world is kind of complicated. Mm-hmm. Colors, I think, are just a step more complicated than the rest of the snake world in general, but um, there's old world and new world. This, the Chinese beauty, um, oh, he found his little log. <laughs> they belong to a family called Orthriophus tenerius. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are beauty rat snakes, so they all come from Asia. Um, I've got another one in here in this rack as well. We call this rack Sastak because Everybody in there kind of has a shitty attitude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, naturally after I got him, I found out that that, that is not actually the way the snake comes white like that, really. Um, the Chinese in that category are the the only one that so far that has like morphs, if that makes sense. Yeah. So there's like yeah. a film. I've got a calico in here. Um, she's kind of a picky eater. She's kind of the oddball in this group. She's very, very shy. I've had this snake for about a year. She hasn't really grown much. She's kind of, um, picky eater. Mm-hmm. I can only drop eater. Granted, I bought this animal as a non-eater, but it was the one I wanted. <laughs> it was pretty. It was... I was already assist-feeding the um great cat-eyed snakes downstairs so i was like what's one more mm-hmm. Nasty takes the drop feeds and sometimes tongs but so that's also a chinese and then i've got in here who i was getting out this guy's really beautiful so i do keep a lot of my animals like that aren't 
quite adult yet in tubs mm-hmm. um, inside the bigger enclosures that they're going to go in. Okay. Like you're inside of, this is a Orthrophis tenerius ridleyi. It's a okay. cave dwelling rat snake. Um, so it's the same, same category. Mm-hmm. Of snake. Woo! <laughs> um, I love their colorations. Yeah. They have like this orangish yellow ombre going into this blue. Mm-hmm. Looks like she's got a smoky eye. Kind of. Um, and that's another thing I really love about the Asian, uh, the beauty snakes, especially it's they, they all have this, uh, little smoky eye. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. So when did you get your first uh, Asian colubrid? You said it was that very first one you showed us. Very first was an Asian fine snake. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. They like most people. It was a big persina. I had a big, tall enclosure, and I fed it geckos that I bought from Palmer and definitely died. That poor animal. But it was eating for a little while. Um, actually, I think it, you know, I wouldn't say that it'd still be alive now if I wasn't different, but actually it had a problem with like stuck shed. And one day I was trying to get this stuck shed had layers of it on there. And um, apparently I just stressed the animal out way too much. Yeah. That's such a shame. Cause you know, you're trying your best to help the animal and then it does the opposite. I also got these snakes that are in here in the same year. So, these three came from Tinley, and that one I got in January. Actually, I think we named that one COVID just because we're like, name <laughs> in the pandemic, and before we even believed it, this guy's, I have to show you this guy, this guy is great. Mm-hmm. And not to hurt Marley's feelings, but I actually think this is the best $25 I've ever spent. <laughs> Which, what species is this that you're pulling out? This is um, actually one, of, I think one of the only... Actually, I think it is like the only New World rat snake I've got. It. Um, it is a Texas rat snake. Oh, that's so pretty. Mm-hmm. $25 is a steal. Well, his eyeballs, <laughs> his eyeballs, if you can see. Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah, he's got bug eye. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I we kept walking around, and I saw this little guy, and I was like, "This little snake is so cute." Mm-hmm. I really, you know, I just want this little snake. Like, I'm not gonna breed it, right? I'm not the type of person to. I've got different projects, and I can only do so much. Like, so even if I wanted to, I wouldn't. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think that. Um, whew, that genetic deformities are like a curse in the hobby it's not something that we should try to do right but clearly this guy is growing and eating and doing just fine mm-hmm. so i personally don't see a problem with it being pet only so with specifically with a rat snake and being someone who's very mm-hmm. interested in colubrids i'd love to hear your thoughts on scaleless colubrids ah so I actually don't follow up much on what is going on in the scaleless world right now. I know that corn snakes are one that they like can breed to be scaleless. Um, 
to be honest, from what I understand, they seem to do fine. They're kind of, I think, overpriced, but most things in the hobby kind of are at this point. I think it's because um, they're very new still. Yeah, it's but they, that occurs in the wild. It does occur in the wild. It's, I'm sure it doesn't happen. And yeah. because of that, I really do have to say, you know, who are we to say that, like, it's going to be bad for the animal? As far as I know, most people that keep scaleless cord snakes are... They grow and now scaleless bearded dragons that's different yes. um because you know if you need uvb absolutely need it to grow and thrive and create bones just like we do it's i think it's i think it probably should be there should be some kind of rule or law against breeding it because mm-hmm. um, you're kind of setting the animal up for a terrible quality of life um and I guess I don't, the other one I know about is ball pythons, I, th- I think. Mm-hmm. So the big difference between, to my understanding with like ball pythons versus scaleless ball pythons versus scaleless corn snakes or rat snakes is that scaleless ball pythons don't have belly scales, whereas scaleless rat snakes and corn snakes still do. Right. Right. Yeah. I was going to mention that um, this, I've read something about that recently. So the belly, the belly scales on rat snakes are different like rat snakes and corn snakes and well I mean I guess all corn snakes are rat snakes but not all rat snakes <laughs> right like a square is a rectangle but not every rectangle is a square exactly all, all toads all frogs are no wait all toads are frogs oh man toads. I think that's it I yeah, don't know the semantics on that one unfortunately I'm not up to date with my amphibian knowledge. There's it applies to a couple of things. I can't remember, but you've got a pretty extensive uh collection right now. Do you mm-hmm. have any bucket list animals or dream animals that you're hoping to get in the next couple of years? You know, I had so many than when I started this shit. I had so many. And now I'm kind of at the point where I'm realizing like that's too many like you gotta slow mm-hmm. down you have to focus uh-huh. especially because right now i want to go i think i want to go more in a direction of frogs i think i'm good mm-hmm. where i'm at with snakes i'm like quality now over quantity yeah now as things grow and you know things grow get older and die i mean clearly it's probably not going to happen within my lifetime but if it did or something you know might consider making room for something else but um really as far as snakes go definitely on my to-do list at some point if it's not in this one house I want it to be in the next house when I have more space I want a spilotes for sure the spilotes are just so cool they got the puffy neck it's like my favorite one of my favorite traits in rat snakes and in colubrids I used to want a creepo really bad but the more I'm starting to understand about them, they kind of like shit everywhere constantly. And it's like the worst. I'm kind of like, nah, not really my thing. I kind yeah. of feel like I have enough. So one of the things you mentioned to me is that you're a big fan of like uh, pissy animals, like specifically the rat snakes. I know that that is a way a lot of people get started into venomous. Is that something that interests you at all? You know, I was just about to mention that too. I also really like shit that looks like an Asian vine snake, mm-hmm. which is a 
venomous things. Well, and if you think about it, my snakes are rear snake, rear fang venomous. So I guess mm-hmm. I do dabble a little bit because I've got Boyga cyania downstairs too. Those are also rear fang venomous. But um, a parrot snake would be dope. Mm-hmm. Twig snakes are so cool. Yes. But to be honest, I have not dabbled that far yet into the hobby. I kind of want to, you know, have been like a vetted nurse and kind of want to be like older and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's different when some 30 some year old people are, I guess, into like venomous keeping as opposed to somebody like older, more experienced, have more years of the hobby under my belt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, also, that, I think that makes total sense. And also, because I play with a lot of snakes with shitty attitudes, I also feel like I'm probably gonna have to retrain my brain a little bit because, like, you see the Ridley I got me there. Mm-hmm. Um, I get kind of complacent sometimes, so <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, that's definitely not what you want to be doing when you're working with venomous. Is is right. any sort of complacency? But this this is the last rat snake. This is my radiator. I'm going to try to see if you can. Oh, wait a minute. There we go. I hope I don't lose this animal. It's so fucking. <laughs> That's the last thing I want. It's the fastest animal, I swear. I need to honestly handle her more. But mm-hmm. uh, that's a radiated rat snake. Um, mm-hmm. See that puff? <laughs> She's trying to act intimidating. She's trying to tell me she's mean and terrible and not to be fucked with. Oh, yeah. So scary. So very scary. And they do this thing with their neck, this S thing, and they open their mouths so wide. It's like my favorite thing in the world. I Yeah, I do like I, I like I don't know. I like something about that. There's something fun about you know an animal that just makes itself look different to scare people away like I've been doing that my whole life so <laughs> I feel like you uh really like octopi am I wrong uh, octopi yes yes I'm a big cephalopod fan how can you not be yeah I mean I watched the PBS documentary where a guy took one into his house they don't they don't live very long though no but they made a connection with this octopus, man. I'm telling you, they're so much smarter than I think we even know yet. Mm-hmm. There's um, a woman on, t- uh, on Twitter. Her mm-hmm. name is, I think it's Dr. Sarah McNulty, I believe is her name. I think I've heard of this one. And she has um, a squid hotline. So she has a phone number that you can text and ask questions about squid too. And sometimes I'll think of a question about a squid and I text her hotline. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So it's her, her name on Twitter is Sarah Mac attack and she's a Sarah Mac attack. Yeah. That. Yeah. It's uh she's very funny, very, very, very intelligent. And she runs a science based trivia every Thursday night oh, over cool. zoom. Yeah, it's really fun. I I attended it once with my my friends. We did horrifically, but it's $10 and it goes to a great cause. So it's definitely something to check out if anyone's interested in science and then also interested in trivia. That's, yeah, that's definitely up my alley. This is my first time messing with Zoom. I had a, I had a job all through COVID, so I'd never heard of Zoom even before that. 
Yeah. And um, uh, nursing's not really a job where you use Zoom that much. No, you don't. Well, we don't. But to be honest, um, I got used to different like uh, FaceTiming apps a lot because that was my only refuge for people with dying family members, mm. um, which I do. I still feel kind of some kind of way about. Um, I hope soon, soon that they will let these poor family members come visit their dying loved ones in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, FaceTime is like the best we can do. Mm-hmm. And people appreciate it. I had people uh, send me letters in the mail, you know. Thank you for letting us FaceTime with my dad. We lost in December. We lost in early March, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely difficult. I, you know, like I said, I have a lot of admiration and respect for what you do. And I, I thank you for, you know, working with these people because I can only imagine how difficult it is. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So it's not I, an easy job, but I, I think I'm growing at it. I'm starting to become easier. At, things are starting to seem a little bit less overwhelming now. Yeah. Um, and then I know that we talked about, um, earlier about how much work that snakes can be and such um do you still find it to be like a relaxing hobby especially given everything else going on in your life or is it more stressful for you Mm -hmm. it can be stressful times um only because you know why is a snake not eating and you know you always run into issues like Mm -hmm. all the emeralds we can't feed her until she poops next it's been four months like you know the stupid stuff yeah who are we going to get to come watch animals on vacation? Like we had to, you know, really kind of hunt for people. So that, that can be stressful. Um, losing an animal always is, you know, always a tearjerker for me. Yeah. I lost my first animal yesterday. Really? I'm so sorry to hear that. What happened? Thank you. Um, I had a green tree python. Her name was Claude. Uh, like same kind of deal where she just got really sick a while ago and then got better. And then about a month and a half ago, she got really sick again. Um, I have her currently, she's being sent off for a necropsy with Dr. Susan down at fish head labs. But, um, we, I finally brought her to the vet because for me, especially when it comes to snakes and especially species that are a bit more fragile, a vet is the last choice because that is like when you know, things are bad. So it turned out that she had, uh, this was shockingly a gastrointestinal yeast infection. So she, yeah. right. That's the same phase I made. So she has an excess of yeast in her, uh, gastrointestinal tract that was shown through a fecal exam. Right. So they did, you know, I was medicating her every day, um, for never fun to do on a snake. No, no, I was doing so. I did one. Okay. So we did two panicure treatments because she also had nematode eggs, which, you know, that's, oh something, that's something I can deal with. I can do right. panicure, two panicure treatments. She got a nice statin, which is, um, an oral, uh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. you use it in humans orally yeah. too. Actually. Yeah. So an oral antifungal every day for two weeks. And then every three days for two weeks, she got a subdermal oh. sifted, yep i use that at work every day yeah the most recent thing i gave to a snake here yeah it was oh god it was a shit show it was so tough and it was so difficult to lose her but 
you know, I think it's one of those things that happens as, mm-hmm. as hard as it is to say. And I, I really hope that this, um, this necropsy can come back with a little bit more information. Unfortunately, due to the weather, mm-hmm. I shipped overnight and the body got stuck in Louisville, Kentucky. So I shipped in like a cool pack with a bunch of ice. And so my fingers are crossed that they'll be able to to perform the necropsy when she gets there. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, I hope so. That will tell you a lot. Yeah. Um, And I think it's one of those things too. It's like, I want to learn so I can educate other people. And it helps you also just not repeat the same mistake. And it helps you kind of give an idea of like what's going on in your collection too. It's expensive. I'll be honest so yeah I've done it with a lot of things in my collection mm-hmm. although I probably should like I would like to um I know a lot of people trip about Nito um but I just I watched podcasts about that recently and actually I'm thinking um out of all the killers of your pets I kind of think it's one of those more midline if it's going to kill your animal or not mm-hmm. but yeah, definitely like the nematodes, the oral fungal stuff. and You do all you can for the pets, and then sometimes it just lot, doesn't work. A lot of my losses came from arboreal snakes the same way. It came from, um, you know, getting wild-caught animals. Mm-hmm. We got, uh, not knowing who he was or really knowing too much about the difference between like a wild-caught and captive bred animal because like I guess I don't know for me I Christian was more up to date but for me I'm like I guess that was before I knew like oh it, it makes what, a big animals? difference we do catch we do catch snakes from the wild because you don't really I mean you could do it for cats and dogs but you don't really do it for other animals so I kind of just I guess expected everything to be that way yeah and um we gave her ceftazidine shots. We gave her Batril shots. We had to give her the same, the Nystatin with a little sque- squeezy ampule in the mouth. Um, I watched that animal wither away and die. It was so bad. Yeah. And the poor thing, she was so pretty. And um, this is a very cool snake. It taught me a lot about how to keep them better and also that if you stay so it seldom makes it when it's well gone yeah i have the same thing happening right now so i had claude was actually a captive bred animal that we think happened so what we think happened is that she got an infection and unfortunately i didn't notice ahead of time and then because of that a secondary infection came in and got her sick so yeah hopefully the necropsy will show us a little bit more but i currently have another wild caught animal in my collection that is you know, in quarantine away from everything else who had two different types of parasites. And it wasn't my intention to purchase a wild caught animal, but it was someone local to me who could not take care of it anymore. So I have experience. Yeah. I have experience with green trees. She gave me a great deal and I was like, yeah, I'll take it in. But this thing has just finished three rounds of panicure and it pooped out the largest, most disgusting worm I've ever seen. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like a tapeworm. It was like an earthworm. It was, yeah, it was, it was, there's Uh. something, there's something about getting wild caught animals that I don't think I'll ever do again, just because of this one experience. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. 
Ooh, what could it have been? I don't know. I gotta. How does it? Does it eat? How does it behave? Yeah, otherwise? it's great. Absolutely phenomenal. Just like a feisty biak green tree. I can handle her a little bit. I just generally don't. Um, I don't handle my animals a ton. I think when she's back Same. in the main in the main collection, I might do it a little bit more. But she's still in quarantine. She probably will be there till May. Um, mm-hmm. But oh my gosh, it cracked me up. I she's I didn't submit that one for a fecal sample because I could see what was in it. So so we're gonna wait for the next one and get another fecal sample right. done. And then I am running another nitovirus test just to be just to be careful. And then we'll mm-hmm. we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um. Our first green tree python, Christian thinks that we just kept it inadequately because we had mm-hmm. like a, a modified exoterra, of course, and mm-hmm. the normal mistakes that most keepers make right? before they realize like that the conjural community is a certain way and there's kind of just a simpler way to do things that's a yeah, lot better. Yeah. I personally don't think it was that. I think it's because the source we got it from you know, just told mm-hmm. us was they bred it and I don't think it was. Yeah. Just does not seem like it. It also died very sporadically. You know, when an animal's stressed because of husbandry, usually you see it. Mm-hmm. Especially with green trees where you can tell by body language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Let's see. I've had a lot of different animals die, but those that was my first experience with arboreals and with entering that whole realm of I I stepped I stepped my pussy up after that, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like I learned a lot from those experiences. And you know, now I've got five emeralds and I still only have one green tree, but um, oh, man, you gotta get more green trees. I need I need more green trees. I'll show you mine from Harlan Wall. Mm-hmm. Harlan's a great guy. He is. He is absolutely. He taught me a lot about the hobby. He taught me a lot about green trees. He's got a little bit of stuck shit on his head. It's that time of year. And his his thing is a mess too. But there he is. Mm-hmm. So you you mentioned earlier that you keep them on sphagnum moss. Do you ever notice any issues with ingesting it or or grounding themselves? I haven't, but at the same time, like. I think all that, that's why I kind of say that like sterile versus bioactive, I don't necessarily think one is better than the other. I think it depends on who you are, what you're doing, the animal and its condition, mm-hmm. its stage in life. I just think it depends on a lot of variety of factors. I always watch my snakes eat to completion and I pull, I absolutely go in there with tongs and pull stuff out right. if I have to. I've actually never seen an emerald or my green tree. I've never seen them have that issue where they get it stuck in their mouth or mm-hmm. they're usually so good at eating so do you um sorry go ahead but mine are usually so good at eating that i don't maybe necessarily have that problem like right it's oh just yeah she's is. beautiful mm-hmm so do you find yourself, um, I know you're Calubra gal at heart, but do you find yourself more attracted to pythons or boas in general? So I actually got into this hobby because that this green tree, that is what I wanted. This was yeah. my goal. State. It was my, my dream. Mine too. <laughs> I had the book growing up and I read the book and I was, you know, all obsessed with the green tree pythons. 
still love them, absolutely adore them because they come in so many beautiful colors. I mean, you can't really be upset with having a green tree or an emerald or something like that in your collection. They just, they're just art, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, they're just so cool. Um, at the same time, they're a lot more fragile. They're a lot less, um, you can't just get them out and mess with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mean, I don't do that with a lot of my snakes anyway, but I find that rat snakes, even though they move constantly and they try to bite you and they put up a big threat, like I, it compels me to hold them more. So they don't do that. Cause they do tame down a little bit. Right. Um, yeah. You just don't really get that with green trees as much. This was also my other dream animal. Why I entered the hobby and why I got into, I actually think boas versus pythons though. I do like boas more. They're just a little bit easier. Like they, they give live birth. So mm-hmm. that's Leela. She's only got one eye. A Brazilian rainbow boa. Mm-hmm. That's a dream species for myself as well. Aren't they great? Mm-hmm. They're, they're so cool. And I was like, for Brazilian rainbow, and I was like, I don't think that eye's going to affect it much. Mm-mm. And it hasn't. I've had it for going on three years now. Mm-hmm. She's doing great. We call her Leela because she's only got the one eye, just like from Futurama. <laughs> Yeah, she's a beautiful animal. I think I think it's actually interesting that you have them both because Brazilians really bring people into the hobby because it's this bright rainbow snake, green trees. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time that people are like, I got my dream animal and it's a green tree. And I'm like, hell yeah. Like that should be everyone's yeah. dream animal. <laughs> I'm a little biased though, because that was that is my that's my favorite. That's what I'm drawn to is the green tree pythons more than anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you um are you like a, are you kind of a, not a chondro snob, but you know how it's people like every so often I'll see a post about it. Like somebody will be, which kind of hobbyist do you think is the worst? Like gecko it's people. The <laughs> yeah. It's, a lot of people did a lot more people say beardies and like ball python breeders, which is absolutely true, but mm-hmm. there is, you know what I mean? Like this superiority ball. complex. I think that's in all Moralia. Mm-hmm. I think Morelia keepers just have, um, I think Corallus maybe a smidge too. Maybe yeah. Smidge. It's just well, anything arboreal. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, it's interesting though, because green trees have been my favorite animal since I was a little kid. Like I didn't even have the book Verity. I just loved green tree pythons. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's always been one of my favorite animals. So when I first found out you could keep them in captivity, I was like, hell yeah, sign me up. And it was, uh, it was my first animal it was actually a green tree produced by Ian Bissell. Oh, really? Very, very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. You know, Ian wants one of the babies downstairs and I don't know if I'm going to sell it, but I think if I do, I'm going to give him dips. Oh yeah. Cause he called for it first. It's a little red one. Mm-hmm. He's a great guy too. Yeah, he is. He really is. I like following him. Um, he stopped us at Tinley not last year, but the year before. And I didn't know that he'd he had recognized me. Well, I, but I guess I'm pretty easy to recognize. But you got snakes all over your face. That. A lot of people did that, and I was like, I don't, I don't remember you. Are. Mm-hmm. So bad. I'm so terrible with faces and. There's also so many less women in the hobby that I think it's easier to remember one or two. Very true. And you know what? I don't understand it because, to be honest, we're better at it. We're, just so <laughs> we're better at it. We just haven't gotten there yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're we taking over. 
Right. We don't really have our Tommy Edward yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we're going to get there. I mean, we've got Emily from Snake Discovery, I think, inspiring like girls everywhere. Absolutely. Be. Yeah. Totally cool snakes. You know, I'm a little biased because women in the hobby is kind of what I, you know, focus on. But Mm -hmm. I think, you know, with starting this podcast and starting the female herpers group and, you know, you're seeing that there is such an intense and vast group of women who are very serious hobbyists that might not be the loudest voices in the room, but once you have us all together, it's like an unstoppable force. Yeah. And you know what I like about women in the hobby is that we're also very take no shit. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, and to be honest, a lot of us are a little bit younger too because females mm-hmm. are new to the game and um or newer to it so we have I think we have a lot of new ideas and we also tend to be more on the not stand for social injustice bullshit so we call a lot of people out and yeah you know, you're gonna get on you're gonna, you're gonna make sure you're at your sister's side when you're putting some man down where he belongs like I think it's interesting to see you know like um how blindly women support each other in the best way possible mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, like I might not know you very well, but like, I've been through the same thing. So let's help each other through this situation and, and right. like show people that you can't step on other people just because you think it makes yourself better. Cause it right. doesn't. And I've never understood that mindset in this hobby either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the things I do are competitive, but I'm not about competition. Like I'm not trying to win a race. I'm trying to just do me and fuck around, I guess. But um, the, I've never understood this this whole competition in the hobby. And um, you know, like I had to say, oh, the used collection is small. A collection of thirty snakes. And I'm like, it's you know, it's growing, and it's still thirty snakes. So and it's yours. You know, and what does it matter? anybody with somebody with one snake could come along and prove you wrong and teach you differently mm-hmm. and you wouldn't know because you didn't take time to listen because you were like oh they were small mm-hmm. you know yeah they didn't and have I, any snakes or they it's, snakes. you know with that kind of stuff like I think you see it a lot nowadays is that people get into the hobby with the intention of making money off of it uh, by producing animals and yeah the actual joy and appreciation for the animals that we work with gets lost along the way. It's the story of Tiger King. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the truth. Like, dude, I had no idea that tigers did that well in captivity. You know, I thought, oh, zoos are great. And, pe- you know, places like that are great because we need these animals. But mm-hmm. the reality of it is, is that to some extent, as much as a a lot of what got me into this hobby is thinking about educating and convert, you know, um, conservation of the species, you, it doesn't matter how many frogs I breed, what species of frogs I breed. It doesn't matter if some guy, you know, cultivates coral in his Mm -hmm. hot water aquarium in his basement. It doesn't, at the end of the day, that doesn't solve the world's problems. And that actually doesn't, prevent these animals from disappearing in the wild um the only thing that does is protecting the wild um at the same time it has been done in captivity and 
if there's any chance for the future, you know, that's kind of the goal. You know, I, I'm, I have male, female pairs of things that I want to breed in the hobby because I want to see it in the hobby. Right. So the and same you kind see of captive generations of it. Right. Yep. I want to see it, it thriving in captivity. Um, it's, it's at least a hope. It's at least a chance. Um, mm-hmm. So I never understood, you know, I can under, I see how people do make income and, and whatnot off of the hobby, especially because I'm about to do the same. Eventually I'll have to sell some of these animals I breed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's appreciation to it, but I think when you're making a living off of it, it does make your life different. It does change the dynamic a little bit. And I don't, I've don't have it lifestyle so I guess I really can't speak on it Mm -hmm. but definitely you know a lot that's where the competition comes from um but you know love love from the hobby isn't about attacking people over the mistakes they make or the things that they do yeah it's, it's hard to to see a Facebook post and think of like think you know everything that's going on behind the scenes for anyone's collection whether it's a large distributor like nerd or a small hobbyist like you you know Mm -hmm. you have you have no idea what's actually happening in someone's collection what actually is going into the animals that they sometimes sometimes we don't even know you know like i said i don't know how many of my animals are have carry the neato virus but then again we don't know a whole lot about neato either so Mm -hmm. it's kind of a but yeah i see what you're saying Mm mm-hmm not to change subject, but I also, here's a do as I say, not as I do situation. Um, my, these are my biggest rat snakes. These are the ones you see me taking pictures with the most. Cause to be honest, they're kind of my favorites. <laughs> I won't tell the others. Yeah. I'm sure they won't be hurt, but it's because I handle them so much. They're a little bit more tamer and they're also bigger. So they just, they don't have any problems mm-hmm. anymore really, but clearly that's not my favorite enclosure size. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a six foot cabinet for her. And then I think actually, no, they both have six foot cabinets. We just, you know, summer, they were a quarter that size. Right. And they grow time, so quickly. Winter is and I'm like, okay, so we need to cure this wooden cabinet somehow. I mean, we can't really do it when it's in negative temperatures outside, mm-hmm. but, um, I, yeah, so they have their enclosures. I just, we have not cured them yet and prepared them, but they should be by next summer. They'll be good to go in there. Um, but even still grass snakes, I've noticed another cool thing about them is they do kind of like tight spaces. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you could only keep one species of rat snake, only one, what would you choose? Oh my. Ganyasoma oxysifalum for sure. Can you say that again? Ganyasomas in general. Ganyasoma oxysifalum. So what is so, that? What's the common name? Uh, this is like, you know, they don't have like a one universal i have i have two species one downstairs is well caught they're much bigger much more involved um these guys came from dan mullery 
Mm-hmm. Another reason I'm probably in Asia Colubra is Dan Mullery is like the coolest guy. <laughs> I haven't had the pleasure to meet him, but I've heard great things. I've I've texted him back and forth. He's got his own show, mm-hmm. DM Exotics. Yep. And he does all sorts of weird Colubrids. That was his thing. And I wanted red tail green rat snakes. He was the only person that had them. And I got them and now I won't ever go back. Those guys are fast. <laughs> the red tail green rats. Mm-hmm. What I also like about rat snakes is they tend to grow in length and not in width, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know, long, big, long colubrids are kind of my thing. I like when they're, I like when they're big. Mm-hmm. But they're thin too. So they're easy. Like, like that Vietnamese might get 10 feet, but I'm going to still be able to pick it up. Right. And there's not a lot of, uh, it's not like a retic where it caught, it's a major concern for your health. Right. Or I would just wouldn't be able to care for because you're very tiny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so these guys, these guys are probably, to be honest, they're probably my favorite. I love green. It's my favorite color. Mm-hmm. They're so cool. When they're angry, they also puff their necks. These guys don't really do it anymore because they're not baby and I hold them too much so they're not pussy but um they're just feisty they've got great food response Mm -hmm. just trying to go for my phone (laughs) so are you planning on pairing any rat snakes this year I maybe I'll show you downstairs what I might be trying to pair maybe a lot um these guys aren't quite big enough yet mm-hmm. i also don't know um if i have a male female pair here mm-hmm. and also they did kind of come from the same like they came they came from the same clutch so i'm kind of like i don't know what do i do here right <laughs> so, so do you when you're pairing rat snakes or when you're considering pairing um them are you focused more on size or age I think a, a little bit of both, more size, um, and I think colubrids are, I don't know about it with rat snakes, I guess a lot of species, like Russian rat snakes can be, like garter snakes, you can keep them together, mm-hmm. so that's, and a lot of people do keep their soma together, but mm-hmm. some colubrids, like the cyanea, they eat each other, Right. so... I'm kind of like, I don't know yet. I'm going to put these two together because they came from the same clutch. They've been next to each other their whole lives. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, it feels right. Yeah, um, and you'll keep an eye on it just in case anything goes awry. That's empty. I also have one Asian bite snake in there. You probably, I don't even know if you could see him. Yeah, just a little bit. He he eats fish. Um, <laughs> that, that guy for a long time and he's done pretty great i'm pretty ecstatic my snakes are kind of like they live and they just die mm-hmm. i considered purchasing one a couple months ago but it had it was still on lizards and i just couldn't can't yeah, get a steady supply feeding them, feeding them lizards are yeah are hard you get you know you get them from a pet shop they're gonna probably have you know parasites and things of that nature oh mm-hmm. this is a bug but that's oops but that's my favorite bug. Oh, a tail whip scorpion? Yep. Mm-hmm. I love Ambiglii. I want to breed them so bad. <laughs> Is my that your only invert? 
No, I've got a couple. Um, I lost a lot of my tarantulas and a lot of my bug collection when I moved. And also when mm. we treated for very first round of mites, even though I covered enclosures and stuff. That's such a shame. It just didn't seem to work out. I have another little baby one here. What is in there? Mm, where is he? I don't even know if you guys are going to be able to see him. Oh, oh yeah, there he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another tailus. Um, these had my mantises in there. I kind of, I'm worried that the body is going to rip when I take it out of there. I love ghost mantises. They're like my favorite thing in the world. It is a shame they only live like nine months. Mm-hmm. I, I wish they lived longer. Live longer. Mm-hmm. I should have paired them together. And Shelly and Rick there. And you probably won't be able to see this either. Six-eyed sand spider. Oh, those freak me out. These guys are really cool. They bury, they bury themselves in the dirt. It's yeah, those ones really, really freak me out. <laughs> they dig a little hole. I've got a lot of appreciation for them. They are pretty freaky. Yeah, I saw a video about it the other day. Actually, Carly Jones sent me one, and I was like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> right? I like when they like pull their arms in and they get all cozy. I've got roaches in here. Um, my red runner colony kind of exploded, and then it. I didn't feed it off quick enough and it just they overtook each other and died. Mm-hmm. Um, this animal is pretty great. It's like the easiest one to have. It's a vinegar room. Oh, so he's cute. Just straight, he's just straight chilling in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got uh, like a box of, a box of isopods, powdered oranges in California. And then I've got some tarantulas up there. Mm-hmm. Um, my project that I hope works. I bought these guys as a trio from Harlem Wall. Wall. I did lose one. And what species is I've, this? Another Ganyasoma. Okay. They're they are wild caught. They're mm-hmm. like not friendly at all, mm-hmm. and they're also like you know just more challenging. Mm-hmm. She's not gonna be happy. Here, let me turn the light on at least. Heck is the light. Just so oh, you know, funny. we're breaking up a little bit. I'm having a hard time following what you're doing. Seems oh, like you are we are? Yeah, you're losing service a bit. Yeah, Valerie, I think we're gonna lose you if you stay in the basement anymore. We might have to go upstairs and finish up. It might, yeah, it might be in your yeah, it might be the basement. Oh. I know. Man, I wish I could blame. I wish I could see the rest of it. Yeah. Oh yeah, because this is where we could do like a quick. If you um, if you want to record a quick video, maybe this evening, and send it my way, I can get that posted when we post the uh the actual episode. Okay, that sounds that sounds good. Yeah, is it better now? Yeah, it's definitely better once you're upstairs. I think it's the Wi-Fi. Oh, that sucks. Oh, my, oh, I know. All my favorite, favorite things. Well, I guess I've been saying that about my whole collection. But, <laughs> um, but the, the Boyga are down there. Boyga are pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um, the baby so, Amazons. 
so yeah, that's why I kind of wanted to, uh, to finish up here in just a minute. Um, I'd love to talk about what you currently have, uh, paired or babies wise, and then where people can find you in the future. Um, so right now I've definitely got baby frogs. They're definitely not all called for because there's always going to be baby frogs. <laughs> I'm out. Um, I'm waiting until the adults get bigger though, before I will actually sell them. I'm thinking, I'm thinking at least by, at least by next March. Mm-hmm. Um, oh wait. March is like right around the corner. So, okay. Yeah. I was like, oh, a whole be year? Ready by March. I it was like a whole year. <laughs> oh. Um, maybe yeah, more towards like the summer temp. So like April, May, maybe, mm-hmm. um, not too hot of course, but, and then I've got seven baby Amazon tree boas, mm-hmm. um, that we produced and, Actually, I think the Amazons are like the the male and the female at least. I think they're the parents are on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Spouse Christians critters. I'm really bad at keeping up with it. I just have lots of things to share, I guess, on my own profile. So, mm-hmm. but I promise I will be better about it. Um, we have seven seven babies there, but um. Three of them I'm thinking I'm going to keep. And, and one's kind going of, to eat Ian. <laughs> maybe. If I don't keep that one, it's, it's going to go to Ian. That's the one I, I, I the red one. He's, mm-hmm. but I think I'm going to keep it. It's red. I, I've, people have told me that it appears to be calico, mm-hmm. um, which as, I guess, as expensive as they are, I would rather keep it because I produced it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's pretty dope. Yeah, absolutely. And then I've got a you know the, like a Halloween phase, which mm-hmm. most don't care for, but I don't oh, have. Oh, I love them. Yeah, and I like the dark colors. I love the black. I love watching it not be black as it grows. Mm-hmm. And then there's one yellow one in there. I'm really a sucker for the yellow ones too. So everything else looks great looks like their garden variety we've got some paradoxes there's one that has like a looks like a scratch or a scar but it's not it's scale pattern like -hmm. it's like a a pied almost Mm -hmm. um which is really weird so four of them will be available i'll probably try to stick with local people first because i've had some local people say that they were interested yeah well make sure that people reach out and I want to thank you so much for being a guest. It was so fun to talk with you. Um, you for too. anyone who's listening on audio, we're going to post this whole video on YouTube as well so that you can see all of the wonderful animals that Valerie has shown us this evening. So um, Valerie, is there is there anything else you want to say to the people? Man, I feel like there should be, but man, I don't even know what else. <laughs> well, we've talked a lot. We said a lot. Um, I really appreciate well. talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I want to give a huge thank you to Joe Phelan with Port City Pet for supporting the podcast. Thank you to everyone else who's been listening and giving some really positive feedback. There goes another ambulance by my apartment. So sorry about that. <laughs> and um, thank you guys all for listening. This has been episode five of the Modern Medusa podcast. Have a good one.
，拜拜。